Welcome to Footnotes, the Roar podcast where we explore the stories in and around the McGill Library and Archives. Nothing is off topic. We share stories from our collections that are off the wall, out of the box, off the shelves, from us to you, wherever you get your podcast. We have short pods like this one, called Footnotes, and longer pieces, called Voices from the Footnotes. Look for these on the website. Before we begin, we acknowledge that McGill University is situated on the traditional territory of the Ganyagahaga, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst nations. We recognize and respect the Ganyagahaga as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we meet today. I'm Jacqueline Sundberg, host for today's episode. Today we're catching up with Dorothy Alexander, 1951 McGill Carnival Queen, who won the pageant when she was an undergraduate architecture student here at McGill. You can hear about her experiences in the pageant in a previous episode, but today we hear about where she went after her studies and her time on the Winter Throne. She was known as Dusty Baxter during her time here, and she traveled internationally after she met her husband here in Montreal. Her professional archives are now at the University of Virginia, which is, in fact, how we got in touch with her. In the records there, the name Dusty is noted in the biographical description. I'll let her explain that nickname. Well, my parents both died young, and uh, and after my mother uh, left this world, um, I was given a dog, <laughs> a cocker spaniel. Her name was Dusty. And then when I was being doctor and in Lethbridge, Alberta, now deceased, um, I took Dusty with me. But then I came back east again to be with another family member and uh, I couldn't take her. So I kept the name Dusty probably until uh, somewhere in the third, when I was 30, because I didn't like it that uh, upper class women all had dreadful, me, me, ba, ba, boo, boo names, you know, and I don't put Dusty in with that, but I did not, I wanted to use my, my given name as a, uh, a working person. You mentioned you went to Okinawa. How long did you live there? Not quite a year. Uh, my husband worked for a still extant and very powerful firm called Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill. All the principals are dead now, but it's such a, you know, they had such a grasp on power that they chose not to change the name. So Skidmore's and Merrill was working for the military uh, building uh, part of the military uh, operation in Okinawa. And uh, it's the only time I ever had a maid. <laughs> we had uh, an, an Okinawan girl assigned to come to our house every day and sweet it. 
<laughs> that must have been an experience. Also, you went straight from your McGill undergrad to Japan at a fairly interesting time of. Yes, it was. It was. I, I think it was partly pulling me away, but I assumed I'd get right in there into an architect's office and it wouldn't make any difference because it didn't make any difference. Um, but yes, I was married in Japan. Uh, and uh, then we went right off to our little kind of cabin for which they had for uh, people who were working in skid rowings and any family got a, got a little cabin and my husband went to work every day and I learned how to drive a car. Went to the beach, you know, oh, Okinawa would make it very, it's still in, there's still a US imprint there, a big one. And the Okinawans themselves uh, comment about it that they've been occupied by some foreign power <laughs> since forever, but they have their own government too. When we got back from Okinawa, I worked every single year of my marriage. Then I got divorced and after that, I've been working all my life. As an architect first, I, when I was, married later and I practiced in um, San Francisco both in my I had my little one person office first it was in the kind of garage under the it was a a room underneath the carport because we were on a hill and then I found an office uh, an unbelievable Small, small office, big enough to put my drafting table on, and my drawers of drawings, which we were doing there. Um, well, it, both in doing my own work, once I got going, I, I got going in the, in, at, on the West Coast, and uh, they are much more open in California. And... Uh, was pretty well, like, like a single architect tends to get um, eccentric clients. But I also worked for a builder and he was interested in that I should squash his buildings onto, there's a lot of hilly country out there in San Francisco that I, uh, just one less pier. One less concrete here <laughs> to save money, but those were fun. They didn't have a client, but I had one client. Oh, I had two old millionaire clients. One of them was crazy as a crude. And the other one said to me, I hired you because I knew you worked for Bill Worcester, who was one of the prime architects and also dean of the faculty of architecture at uh, University of California. Um, and he said, I knew you'd be well trained. 
<laughs> I did so many schemes for his, it was a complete house. From, it wasn't a remodeling. I think, uh, I think I must have done seven layouts. And now I'm, of course, pretty old. Uh, and the, it's easier, I have a, a photography agency. I do um, a lot of photography, which I would call uh, is of people who have character. <laughs> Not famous necessarily, but I did also photograph a lot of famous people because I worked for what's called the Academy of American Poets, which is in, in New York. I worked for the Municipal Arts Society, uh, all on freelance basis, and also for the uh, Academy of Arts and Letters, which has is like the French Academy. I mean, it's the American Academy, and I, I met and photographed many many people. I was also known as a very good architect. <laughs> people wanted to hire me. I moved eventually to New York, but there. I really had my own firm and I had uh, clients who were, uh, well, that's all in my biography which you can find. Look to the show notes on our website for additional material and to explore the projects that the Roar team has been working on. Our title song called Happy Sandbox was composed by Mativ and sourced from freesound.org. You can find all the credits in our show notes. Thank you to Professor Natalie Cook, director of this project at Team Roar, and Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer. I'm Sheetha Lodia. Thanks for listening.